everyone, Richard Tubb here back again with another podcast for IT solution providers and managed service providers. I guess we ought to get a name for the podcast at some point, the uh, the Tubcast, the Tub Pod. I don't know. Let me know what you think. Anyway, uh, another interview for you today, joined by Keith Edmonds, who's the MD of Tiger Computing, an unusual MSP in that they focus exclusively on working with clients who run Linux. Of course, most people in our industry, are something that I know of, work with Microsoft Technologies. Although things are changing now, I'm working with a couple of uh, Google Apps resellers. uh, And of course, uh, Keith, who works exclusively with Linux. I think the world is changing. The world where uh, people are worried about the operating system they're using is changing. Keith and I touch upon that, the fact that nowadays with cloud technology, people don't really care. They, they're just worried about getting the job done, the job they need to get done uh, done and dusted. Um, so really interesting conversation with Keith. He's a, a very interesting chap. Um, one thing we touched on outside the podcast, Keith's actually a, a glider instructor um, flying up there, something I've always wanted to do. And Keith was kind enough to invite me to do that. So at some point in the future, I'm going to go up there on a glider. Anyway, I hope you enjoy our interview. I think you'll uh, agree, Keith, a very interesting individual and uh, somebody that uh, I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with. Hi, everyone. Richard Tubb back here again with another interview for IT solution providers and managed service providers. And I'm joined today by someone who is going to talk about a topic that's often overlooked in the managed service market, and that is Linux and open source. Keith Edmonds is the Managing Director of Tiger Computing, who help businesses benefit from Linux with more reliable IT at lower cost. Now, Keith is passionate about using open source solutions to help businesses achieve their goals, and his business, Tiger Computing, aims to keep their clients' systems secure and operational, bringing greater reliability, increased productivity, and less staff frustration. Keith, thanks for joining me today. Hello, Richard. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today, um, and I've shared with you when we first met Keith that I'm fortunate enough to know and work with a lot of IT companies of all shapes and sizes uh, across the UK and further afield, but you're the first, I'm going to call you a managed service provider, an MSP, you're the first IT solution provider I've come across who not only specializes in, but works exclusively with Linux. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what led to you uh, building Tiger Computing. Okay. Um, I've worked in the IT industry, well, for more years than I care to admit, really, um, since the early 1980s. And in those days, I was working for Digital Equipment, a big American uh, computer company, sadly no longer. Um, had a great time there. Uh, learned lots of things about various parts of IT, uh, including Windows and including, in those days, Unix. And I remember quite clearly in about 93, I think it was, um, hearing about something new in the Unix scene, which turned out to be Linux. And in those days, Linux was little more than a, a demonstration, almost a toy. Um, but it was fun to see and fun to play with. And it grew very, very quickly from something that was proof of concept to something that you could see there would be a use for it one day. Well, I left um, digital. I started doing some independent consultancy, mostly in the Windows arena. And I was managing the IT help desk for a company that had quite a sizable network. And we wanted some kind of network management tool. 
Now, I'm sure you're aware that they're available, but they're not cheap. And so we set up a Linux server, we set up a network management tool on there, and it gave us a graphical display of the network that showed us if there were any problems there. And it worked. And I thought, this is great. And as time went on, it had always been in the back of my mind to start a business of my own anyway. And I thought, well, there's an opportunity here to help businesses with Linux. So in 2002, Tiger Computing came into existence. And very quickly, we got a couple of contracts with a couple of uh, companies to manage their Linux servers for them. And it's grown since then. So in terms of the, the type of clients that you work with, um, what would they look like? And, and, and if I can appreciate, why do uh, those clients work with Linux over, um, I'm going to say the traditional, you might disagree, over the traditional Windows solutions that many of us are familiar with? Well, I certainly wouldn't dismiss Windows. Uh, it, it's been a, a huge, huge impact on, on businesses over the last three decades. Um, and we're all grateful for, for what Bill Gates has done. Yes, even Linux people are grateful for what Bill Gates has done. Um, it's interesting to look back at his very early days when his mission statement was uh, a computer on every desktop. There are very, very few businesses who have such a simple mission statement and even fewer who can put a tick next to it saying, done that. So, well done, Bill. No problem with that. Um, the type of clients we deal with, predominantly three types, I would say. There are some businesses that I would call them just office users, and what they're looking for is a fairly standard file and print, uh, email, maybe a wiki or something like that. Um, I'm sure we're all familiar with, with businesses like that, and it's fair to say that their needs can be met just as easily by Linux as they can by Microsoft. So we have a few clients like that. We just have a box in the corner. Uh, I suspect most of the people working there don't even know it's running Linux, uh, and I'm sure that the other people you deal with will have lots of small business servers and that kind of thing doing exactly the same job, sitting in their own corners. Um, so for those people, I don't think there is any special reason to use Linux. They're looking for a solution, they found one. The second group, I think, a fairly broad category of scientific, medical, engineering, biological, that, that, that type of area. And people who work in that industry tend to be fairly technical people. And they will often write scripts to analyze data or partition data up in some way. And they'll turn to tools that, again, I think most of us will be familiar with, ranging from C through the scripting languages like Perl and Python and R and things like that. It would be tempting to say that the Linux advantage here would be that all those tools are freely available. But I suspect the truth is probably closer to the fact that these people at university would have used Linux. And as they've moved into the commercial workplace, they carry using the same tools they had then. The third group uh, are the web developers. So we have a number of clients who are web developers. I think there are perhaps three facets to the, the web industry. You have graphic designers, and you have people who write the code, and I've never yet met anybody who could do both of those two things. I've, I've tried, and I've seen the results. Um, and the third group are the people that manage the servers. So we will work with a number of companies who, who employ the graphic designers and the people to, to write the PHP or the HTML, whatever it is, and we look after the servers for them. Now, you would appreciate, I'm sure, that their requirement on the server is that it's reliable, and that's pretty much it. Um, if their server goes down, they might have 20, 50, even 100 uh, websites on there, and they're going to get 20 or 50 or 100 incoming phone calls, none of which they want, uh, if the server goes down. So 
I realise, of course, that Microsoft are able to provide web services as well. But I think it's fair to say over the last couple of decades that Apache running on Linux has been the predominant platform, and it's proved its reliability. Absolutely. And, yeah, I certainly don't want to turn this into a Microsoft versus Linux debate because, as I've shared in conversations with you before, Keith, you know, I, I certainly take the view that whatever technology is the best fit um, should should be uh, the case for somebody to use. For instance, I think I shared with you that I recently moved across from Windows 8 to a Google Chromebook. I needed something simple, reliable, that just uh, long battery life that I open the Chromebook up and it just works. In terms of Linux, why would you uh, why would you say that people look to work with Linux systems where Microsoft systems hold the same sort of advantages? So we talked about web servers. Why would people choose Linux over Microsoft in that situation? Um, I think there's a variety of, of reasons why people might pick Linux. Um, the, the, the obvious one, perhaps, but I don't think it's the full story, is the licensing issue. So. Microsoft is a commercial company, they're in business to say it's all commercial companies are, to make money, and one of their routes to making money is to charge a license fee. And I think, and people understand that, but I think sometimes, particularly for small businesses, if they've got an existing server, a Microsoft server set up, and they go and employ somebody new, that may mean they have to go and buy new client licenses, and that's an extra expense uh, at already an expensive time when you employ somebody new. So the license issue shouldn't be ignored, but I think there's more to it than that as well. Uh, a second issue is, I call it data lock-in. So it's in Microsoft's interest to try and encourage their existing uh, client base to stay with them. And so the, they don't publish the format of, of how the data is stored. And it's not just Microsoft either. There are plenty of uh, other Windows companies who keep those sort of things to themselves. Um, with open source software, that's not an option. Even if you wanted to have a proprietary format, you can't because the source code for the application is openly available. And I'm not saying that your average business manager is going to download the source to, to some particular application and go through it. But the point is he could, or he could employ somebody to do that. And so you don't end up with your data, your data, being locked away from you and only accessible when you pay a license fee to a third party. The third element I would uh, highlight here as well is the, the range of applications that are available. And remember, we only deal with open source software. There is commercial software that runs under Linux. We don't tend to work with that at all. We tend to work with open source software only. And one of the more popular distributions that we use has got something like 35,000 software packages available for it, all free, just download and use them. Um, there's a tendency for some people to think, well, free is probably worth what you paid for it. And just like in the Windows world, there is some software that you wouldn't want to run your business on. But there is some seriously high quality software in there as well. So things like compilers, editors, um, packet captures, uh, data, sorry, network uh, analyzers, those sorts of tools are very powerful tools, very well written, and they work really well. So that's for the technical end of the market. From the office end of the market, you're probably familiar with the likes of Firefox and Thunderbird and OpenOffice or LibreOffice. And whilst I wouldn't necessarily say that LibreOffice has got all the functionality that Microsoft Office has, it's a lot cheaper. And it's been said many times that most people use whatever 5% or 10% of Office's capabilities. And I think what they've done with the LibreOffice and OpenOffice is they've identified a significant proportion of the population's 10% and put that in. So there may be a few more esoteric features that are not available, 
But for most people who want to write a document or put a spreadsheet together or a presentation together, those tools are more than adequate. You make a very good point when you uh, talk about uh, the, the, certainly the barrier that I've seen to people using open source software tends to be this is free and people associate uh, quality uh, with cost. Now, I know you've been an advocate for open source software for many, many years and there's a thriving open source community out there. And of course, Linux is just one part of the open source community. But in the managed service community, uh, and certainly the small business IT community, that, that the circles that I typically move in, um, Linux and open source solutions tend to be quite rare. So we touched upon people um, making the assumption that because something is free, the quality is not there. Um, why do you think more companies, and certainly more IT companies, uh, don't go down the open source route and don't champion those sort of tools? How difficult is change? Um, I have experience of uh, a company that was using Outlook as its mail client. They were using uh, Exchange. We got involved when they wanted to move to a Linux server, so we weren't running Exchange any longer. Uh, but they're still running Outlook. And we made a suggestion for, for long and boring reasons that they should move to Thunderbird. And in principle, that's a very straightforward change. They're both email clients, they can both do calendaring as well. And that's pretty much it. How hard can it be? And of course, it is hard because you're asking people to change the way they work. Or not even the way they work, but the interface they use to work. And any time that new interfaces are, are introduced, it's a difficult time. In the Linux world, um, you may be familiar that we're going through some possible changes to some of the desktop uh, software that's used. Gnome is changing. In the Windows world, there's been lots of reaction to the latest ideas from Microsoft about how Windows should look with Windows 8. I'm not saying it's bad, I'm not saying it's good. What I'm saying is it's changed, and people tend to resist that change. So I think that is probably the principal reason that uh, it's easier to stay with what you've got. That's a very good point. That's a really good analogy when you talk about Windows 8. Yeah, I think the majority of the backlash, whether whether you think Windows 8 is good or bad, the majority of people push back at it because it is different uh, to what they're used to. And as somebody as a, a diehard uh, Outlook uh, user until the start of this year, I can tell you when I moved across to the Google Mail interface, very nervous uh, to begin with, but you know I've embraced it and moved along from there. So, so next question, I guess, around the, um, the, the fact that not that many IT companies um, and not many of your peers use Linux or push Linux or open source software. Do you think they're missing out on an opportunity here? How, ma how many small businesses out there do you see that are making the move across from uh, Windows and Apple solutions now to using Linux? And I know business is quite brisk for you at the moment. We are seeing uh, some interest there. I think the first thing I should clarify is, as a business, we're not looking to convert people to Linux. Sure. We are looking for people who are already using Linux and have some dissatisfaction with their current supplier, or maybe don't even have a current supplier, or at least people who have made the decision to move to Linux but haven't actually done it yet. So we're not knocking on people's doors saying, you know, dump your, your Exchange server and install this in. <laughs> we're not there at all. Um, so where are we seeing the growth? Um, predominantly two areas at the moment. The first one is the public sector. Uh, you're probably aware that the public sector are under some pressure to move to more open source type solutions. I believe at the moment they're told they should use open source if there is an appropriate solution there. Uh, appropriate is a good word. Um, there are other countries, uh, Munich for example in Germany, where the whole city has gone across the public sector part of the city has gone across and are using open source throughout. 
Wow. Uh, we've done some work uh, with various parts of the public sector, some education, uh, some NHS, where they've got some, some talented and experienced IT people, but they've never used Linux. And so there's one example I can think of where there was an internet site being used by about 3,000 users. It was running on a 10-year-old system that's 10 years old for the hardware and the software. Um, Windows, I think it's Windows 2000, running IIS, and they were told that the next version had to be running on open source software, and they had no idea how to do it. So we were able to go along and help them with that. The second area that's growing, and it's only just starting, and it'd be interesting to find to see how this develops, is on the desktop. And traditionally, the vast majority of our clients have used Windows on the desktop uh, with Linux servers, and possibly Windows as well, uh, at the back end. But just recently, we've had a couple of people show interest in moving their desktops to Linux. And I think what's happening here is the, the desktops are becoming thinner. So with more and more web services being available or applications being presented via a browser, um, there's no need to have a, a complex uh, Windows or even Linux machine for that matter. It can go really, really thin. And a Linux platform will lend itself well to that. So it's early days on that one. But uh, we've certainly seen some interest recently, which we haven't seen in previous years. It is interesting. I think we're, we're, I don't know if you'd agree, Keith, but we're moving towards a world when, uh, and you alluded to it earlier, it doesn't, people don't care so much what the operating system or what the underlying, um, uh, you know, mechanism is. They just want to access their services. And I think with cloud computing, the rise in cloud computing, that, that's going to make it even more uh, so the case that people don't really care what operating system it is. They just want to get on and do the work. Absolutely right, and I totally agree with them as well. Uh, at the end of the day, for those, for most people, IT is a means to an end. If, for you and I, IT is why we're around. But for most people, they want to manufacture their widgets or they want to whatever it is they do. And you and I might get involved in the nitty-gritty of, oh, that's Windows, oh, that's Linux, whatever. They don't care. They come in, they do the job. And as you say, with more and more services moving to the cloud or being presented at least via a web browser, they don't know and they certainly don't care what's at the far end of it. Absolutely. Now, the audience for, for, for this interview, I'm going to guess, and the audience for my blog typically tends to be uh, IT solution providers and managed service providers who work in the Microsoft world or traditional uh, with traditional Microsoft technologies. So any, client, any uh, IT companies that are watching this video and they uh, may not have somebody in their address book who knows anything about Linux, so if they come across clients who are, have got a little bit of Linux, um, uh, would you be the person for them to, to reach out to and uh, see if they can come to some sort of arrangement to provide support there? Well, I think I could say yes to that one. <laughs> um, we work with a number of Windows companies, and the, if, if I take a step back, the, the staff that we have working here, the technical staff working here, all of them have some kind of Windows experience. It may not be particularly recent, but they all have some kind of Windows experience. But we don't do any Windows work at all. So if we go to a client site and there's a problem with a Windows machine, we've got a little black book with some numbers in it and there's people we work with who will come and help those people out. But we won't do that at all. And what I would do, what I would rather do as a business is focus on what we're good at. So we have our niche. It's called Linux. We know what we're doing. We know how to make it work. We know how to fix problems there. We know how to advise people with it. We're good at it. That's what we do. And I would rather be known being good at everything we do, even if the, everything is quite small, 
than to be good at some things and so-so other things. So what we have done is we built up a portfolio of Windows support companies, of network installation companies. Uh, we've even got um, business development people, marketing people that we know about as well. And I would encourage all businesses to do that because whatever area you focus in, if you're good at what you do, you'll get asked for things that fall outside of your core skill set. And the smart thing to do there is to say, not for us, but I can recommend somebody, rather than trying to dilute your own efforts and do something that isn't really what you're good at. I'm so glad you said that, Keith. I, I actually I put together an ebook um, earlier this year at the tail end of last year called Mistakes MSPs Make. And uh, you've pretty much quoted entire chapter there uh, about trying to be a jack of all trades rather than concentrating on one specific niche. So I'm glad I'm not alone in uh, thinking along those lines. Uh, I haven't read the book, I'm afraid, but absolutely not alone. <laughs> Well, Keith, I'm, I'm very conscious of your time. Really appreciate your time today. If, if there's any, uh, before we go, if, if there's any IT companies uh, watching this, or indeed any small businesses uh, that'd like to reach out to you, how would they get in touch with you? Well, um, the traditional website, www.tiger-computing.co.uk. Uh, it's probably the best way. Our phone number's on there. There's email contacts on there as well. So that's probably the easiest way. And we certainly welcome hearing from both other suppliers that, that you're talking to and end user companies as well. Happy to have a chat, uh, happy to meet up, and um, and yeah, I'm moving forward. Very cool. And in terms of geography, we, I never I never asked you this, but uh, presumably you support clients all across the UK and not just near your home office? That's right. We've got an office in Kent, and I'm speaking to you from an office in Monmouth, which is just on the England-Wales border, but we've got clients in Yorkshire, Newcastle, Wales, um, London, everywhere. So yes, across the UK we're happy with. No worries. Well, Keith, thanks so much for your time today. It's been um, really enlightening to, yeah. uh, to to know you and to chat about the Linux community, um, something I've always taken an interest in. I hope it's of interest to a, a lot of people uh, watching today as well. Thanks for your time, Keith. Thank you, Richard. That's another interview from me, Richard Tubb. For more news and advice for IT solution providers and MSPs, please join me below on www.tublog.co.uk. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.